I would love to see innovative solutions to increase our workforce capacity. Um, I think that's really where policy should be pushing. And to the extent that that leaders are able to speak to policymakers and influence them on, on this in this regard, I think that's really uh, that's really valuable. We should be trying to make it easy for well-trained nurses to practice, whether that's across state lines or across international borders. We should support new schools, new training uh, opportunities. It's you know I want to say it's not just good for organizations; it's great for workers. Welcome to an A&M Healthcare Industry Group Human Capital and Workforce Management podcast series. Today, we're talking with healthcare leaders about the impact their organizations are facing, including labor issues, the nursing shortage, compensation, wage inflation, and how they are responding. Welcome back to the final part, part three of the A&M Healthcare Industry Group's podcast series on the rapid rise of labor costs and the impact on U.S. healthcare organizations. I'm joined again by Chris Allen, Chief Financial Officer of the University of Southern California Keck Medical Center, Kimberly King-Webb, she's the Chief Human Resources Officer of Chris's Health, Professor Joshua Gottlieb, who's an economist and associate professor at the University of Chicago Harris School of Public Policy, and my colleague, Terry LeBaron. Today, we'll get an economist take on short-term labor markets and discuss some innovative solutions that our panelists are seeing. Let's jump right in to what everyone always wants to know. What does the future hold? Professor Gottlieb, can you break out your crystal ball to give further insights to your last comments on how long we may expect the short-term labor market to last? It depends on each individual shock that we're talking about. So some of what we remember when we started this discussion, we were talking about the depths of the pandemic when things were changing by the week, by the day, and everyone's worried about an influx of of patients uh, as their communities start to get hit by COVID. And, you know, I don't think we, I, I, I think uh, we should ask our uh, panelists who are really on the ground on this stuff uh, for their experiences, but I think they would probably say that the costs of the short-term labor that they needed in order to get through that did fluctuate with the conditions of the pandemic and didn't last forever. And what we're talking about now is responses to longer term issues. So inflation will last however long it lasts at a macro scale. The long term issues of uh, a number of nurses available nationally, that's going to depend on how quickly borders reopen and how quickly training can pick up. And it really depends on it really depends on each individual factor. I think the the way to deal with it for society is to try to relax these longer term constraints. And the way to deal with it for an organization is really, of course, an organization can't change national supply of nurses, can't change immigration policy, but they have to be as efficient as they can using the strategies that Kimberly and Chris have been talking about um, to attract and retain staff. And unfortunately, there's there's no magic. Uh, the labor market is what it is. And as long as there are national shortages, prices are going to go up. 
And as national shortages get relieved or as national demand falls, though I don't see any signs of that happening, um, but as national shortages get relieved, then organizations will have more flexibility. We, we have to take the world as it is, right? And uh, a leader in an organization has to do that. Uh, a policymaker has more flexibility to try to make these changes, right? So I would love to see innovative solutions to increase our workforce capacity. Um, I think that's really where policy should be pushing. And to the extent that, that leaders are able to speak to policymakers and influence them on, on this in this regard, I think that's really uh, that's really valuable. We should be trying to make it easy for well-trained nurses to practice, whether that's across state lines or across international borders. We should support new schools, new training uh, opportunities. It's you know I want to say it's not just good for organizations; it's great for workers. Some of my research is about how nursing and healthcare jobs more generally have been great news for the middle class over the past 40 years. And what what we're talking about now is, of course, from an organization's perspective, it's expensive. From a worker's perspective, that's good. That's higher income. That's more generous benefits. That's more job opportunities. And that's great, right? We should encourage that. Uh, we should have training and allow more people to take advantage of these opportunities and provide valuable patient care in the process. So we should view it as an opportunity we should break down barriers to that training and allow more people to benefit. Thank you so much. Okay, so Chris, if things continue, since we're, we're not sure how long it will last, right? That's what Professor Gottlieb basically said. If things continue, what happens? What are the long-term implications for you and your organization of wage inflation? Like, what, what's that impact? What does that mean? Yeah, it, it's a tough one. We just completed our uh, update of our uh, long-range plan, and uh, one of the, the key metrics that I know I focus on is um, salary, wage, and benefits as a percentage of our net patient revenue. Um, and prior to the pandemic, it was uh, somewhere around 47%, and um, I extended the plan to a 10-year plan if things continue on this way, um, with by the end of this decade, it'll be uh, over 60% of our net patient revenue. Um, and that's just not sustainable for us. Um, as you know, we continue to see uh, our annual um, contract rate increases from our payers start to slide um, as we continue to see uh, Medicare increases slide. Um, you know, we are outpacing wage increases with rate increases. And as I like to talk about it, the, when when those two lines meet um, and, and are in the inverse, um, it's going to be hard for us to care for our patients in the way that we really want to. It's going to be hard for us to purchase new technology. Um, it's going to be hard for us to even, you know, keep update in updated in terms of the supplies that we use. So we have to find more management initiatives to uh, decrease our cost base in other places and manage the way we utilize resources in a much more efficient way, which, you know, for any academic medical center is difficult. Um, 
you know, we, we're not built to do that. We're built to be innovative and um, not necessarily focused on the 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 way we uh, widgetize uh, healthcare. So um, it's something that we are focused on as a management team and and really looking at what things we have to do to preempt uh, those two lines crossing. Yeah, I love that metric that you're using to measure progress and challenges. Salary wages and benefits as a percentage of net patient rent revenue and PR, I think is the number one way for you to understand trends in your organizations over the quarter, over five years. Um, so it's fascinating that you've already done the modeling and 60%, there are organizations now that are at 60%, right? So, so that's frightening for you. Um, and yet we know that that's the situation that many organizations are in right now. In our last few minutes, I'd love to hear the perspective that you have Kimberly and Perry, and you know, there's a lot of talk about legislation to manage the expense that organizations like yours are experiencing um, related to wage wages for contract labor or restrictions on contract labor. And do you think that this is gonna come to fruition? Is it gonna happen? What do you think? I wish I had a crystal ball. But if I'm a betting person, I would say um, I I don't see it happening, at least not as soon as we need it to happen. And so it's not something that we're counting on. We're really just focused on how do we manage contract labor, how do we manage the rate, and how do we manage the utilization of it and the things that we can control in this area as organizations. Yeah, your answer is consistent with what everybody else has said. It's that's interesting, but probably not likely. Yeah. Terry, you get the final word here in our last few minutes. What What do you think the future looks like for us related to wage inflation, compensation going rampant? What, what does that look like? So following with what Chris said, right, this is going to be this this increase in, in wages is going to become more of a permanent part of some of the calculations that we do when we're thinking about the margins that we're driving in healthcare. And it is it is looking at kind of the chain, right? So if our costs go up in our hospitals, we're going to put pressure on insurance companies for greater premiums. And guess who pays those premiums? Employers and consumers. So we're going to see really um, that kind of upstream or downstream effect of these increased wages. The way that we attack them in our healthcare systems is gonna be another thing that we have to consider. Really watching waste, watching your productivity, making sure that you have the right person to do the right job at the right time, that you have enough people, but not too many, is, is another thing that we're seeing organizations pay much more attention to, supply costs and any kind of waste that we can drive out of an organization, a healthcare organization is gonna be key to trying to control those costs. We've learned a lot during this pandemic about, about wages, about employment, about the cultures that we drive in our organization and how they impact employees. Employees have choices now and they're making them based on the culture, and the benefits that organizations provide. 
So that's my last word. Wonderful. Thank you so much. This has been such a great conversation. I've learned a lot. And more than anything, I've taken notes on future discussion topics. There's a lot to explore here. So thank you so much, Chris Allen, Kimberly Webb, Professor Gottlieb, Terry LeBaron. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Such wonderful insights. I appreciate all of your help with this. Thank you for joining us for this insightful series. I'm so thankful for all of our panelists. For more information on this topic and other human capital and workforce management issues, please find us at www.alvarezandmarcel.com.